It is an important week for Stonebridge. We had a lot of kids at the Summer Fusion event. Uh, today we have a, a big team down in Ecuador at our church there and, and that we planted several years ago. They're doing home visits today. There's, you know, it's going to mess up their lives in such great ways and I want you to pray for them. Also our, our worship pastor Rachel Wetchen, I got a text from her this morning that she was having regular contractions. That's why she's not here today. Um, she has been sent home from the hospital. Everything's fine. Uh, she's still a little bit ways away from uh, um, you know her due date, so you just pray for her and her family and for um, health stuff and, and things. We look forward to meeting a little baby, but not yet, right? So um, just be in prayer for prayer for her. And our teams have rallied really well this morning, uh, so we got a lot of moving parts here and appreciate their uh, willingness to move fast and, uh, and and get things done. I'm not sure where exactly it starts when we begin to realize that I don't, you know, like, I don't want to do what people tell me to do, right? I think it's around four, at least typically, right? Like when you're four years old, you can realize that you can tell your mom and dad no, right? And you like that, that word, you, I don't know why we teach our kids that word, but we teach our kids no. So right away, they're telling us no. And uh, that's why we like kindergarten because they're going to go away for a little while, right? This is great. People are like, why are you having a fireworks bonanza in the middle of August? Because they're going back to school, right? We're blowing stuff off. This is a great, great day. Oh, no, it has nothing to do with America. It has everything to do with they're going back to school, right? So my grandkids were here recently, and they're wonderful kids. You know, they're great, and they're, they're way better than yours, you know, that stuff. But, <laughs> but they don't always like to do what Grandpa tells them to do, right? They don't. Uh, I had them for this one day, and, and, and we're getting an early start, and the grass is real wet, and, the, and I'm getting my dog out and doing this stuff, and they love walking with me when I take the dog out for some reason. So, and I just tell, like, we're, we're, at, we're, we're at the edge of where the grass is, and they're on the, on the gravel, and I said, hey, you just, you just stay here, because I don't want your shoes getting all wet and gross and we're going to be leaving now, and I just want you to stay right here. Because it's okay for me to do that, but it's not okay for you, right? So uh, I take two steps. They are right next to me. I mean, I had given a pretty good discourse on the, on the benefits for staying put, right? And I, I, I make a living telling people what to do, basically. And so I, I am telling them, just stay right here. We'll be right back. Don't move. And they don't even listen. They don't care. So I said, get back, get back there. And I said, I will be right back again with the warning and the heating of, please don't get your socks all, you know, wet and don't, right? Just stay where you're at. All I'm doing is walking the dog. I take two more steps. They're right there. Like, what are you doing? We want to go with you. I know that, but you just, right? And... We don't like people telling us what to do. We don't. And so here we find, you know, God's going to talk to Moses. And Moses, I want you to do this. And like, "Mm mm-mm, I don't want to do it. Moses, I need you to do that. Mm Mm-mm, I don't want you. Moses, look at the bush. Mm, Need you to do this. No, right? And he he fights God all along the way. And he finally got, you know, it's like, "Mm," God finally says, I want you to do, right? 
I need some help. Okay, and so he gets his brother, you know, Aaron involved, and, and they're heading finally now to Egypt because the nation of Israel has been crying out. The nation of Israel has been the slaves for Egypt, the, na- the great nation. And again, Egypt has made a tremendous amount of wealth, and they have tremendous amount of uh, uh, sl- slave labor. And God has finally heard their cries. It's getting really bad for them. And okay, after hundreds and hundreds of years, now God's acting and he gets Moses involved and Moses goes and, he, and uh, he's going to, and he, here we're going to pick it up in Exodus chapter five. After this presentation to the uh, Israel's leaders, so Moses, Aaron, uh, they, they go and say, hey, here's what's going to happen. We're going to go talk to Pharaoh. We're going to plead for him to leave, uh, let us go. Everybody like, uh, cool. Moses and Aaron went to spoke to Pharaoh. They told him, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go so they may hold a festival in my honor in the wilderness. Is that so? retorted Pharaoh. And who is the Lord? Why should I listen to him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. Now, I think that's a perfectly reasonable thing for pharaoh to say right it's like who do you think you are telling me what to do i'm pharaoh in fact pharaoh really in fact the the egyptians viewed pharaoh as god right so pharaoh is not threatened by the israel god he's not he's not bothered by the israel god they've lived in harmony with the israelites for hundreds of years and uh in fact, Egypt's got multiple gods, so one more god, not a big deal. And we don't, right? It, it's not a big deal that you have a god. What is a big deal is why are you? Why do you think he can tell me what to do? I don't even know your god. I don't worship your god. I don't even care about your god. I'm happy you have one, but who does he think he is telling me some, what to do? Does that sound familiar? I think in our culture today, that's exactly what I hear people all the time telling me, like, well, I'm glad you have a God. Um, I don't uh, follow your God. So why are you telling, why do you think you can tell me what, why does he think he, why does he think he can tell me what to do? We're okay with God. In fact, a lot of us really like God or like at least the idea of God. We just don't want him telling us what to do. I don't want God telling me what to do with my money. Who does he think he is? My sexuality or my friendships or my relationship or my leisure time uh, or my marriage? I don't really want God telling... I I like the idea of God. I'm glad you've got one. But why is he telling me what to do? I don't even know him and I don't even worship him. Right? I think that's a fairly reasonable kind of response so what god tries to do is to explain to the egyptians and i think also to the israelites why they should listen to him so he's going to say okay well i I know you don't worship me but i'm going to tell you why worshiping me is better than what you're worshiping because Right? He's going to try to answer that question. Now, he answers it through some, some 
interesting things because Pharaoh says, well, who does he think he is? And so Moses says, well, let me show you this. And he takes the staff, he throws it down. It's a snake, ah! right? And it's like, but Pharaoh's not bothered by it. In fact, the, their magicians kind of do some stuff too. And, you know, and so it's, it's not a big deal. And Pharaoh, it, even though that Moses' snake eats their snakes, right? So, but Pharaoh says, I don't, I, I'm not going to do what you tell me to do. All right. So here we find it in Exodus, Exodus chapter 7. Uh, the Lord says to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is stubborn. Anybody have a stubborn heart sometimes when it comes to what God, right? All right. So this is not unusual. He still refuses to let the people go, right? Why should he even let them go? He's got a good gig. This is free labor. We're building big stuff and impressive things. And I don't even have to pay for these people. We're not letting people go. This, is, this would affect my, our economy. This would affect our uh, livelihood. This is going to affect our power as a nation. I'm not letting a million free slave labor people walk out of here. That's stupid. Not going to do it. So go to Pharaoh in the morning as he goes down to the river. So he, he does things every single morning, goes down to the river, gets his coffee. He's fine. Right, that's how you start your day. Stand on the bank of the Nile and meet him there. Be sure to take along the staff that turned into a snake. Then announce to him, the Lord, the God of Hebrews has sent me to tell you, let my people go so they can worship me in the wilderness. Until now you have refused to listen to him. So this is what the Lord says. I'll show you that I am the Lord, right? So here's what I'm, I'm going to show you that I'm not making this stuff up. And I know you might not believe me, I, right? Moses is like, uh, I totally get that. Why would you buy into this? I understand that. Uh, you don't worship them, but I'm going to show you. God's going to show you why this is important. I will show you that I am the Lord. Look, I will strike the water of the Nile with a staff in my hand, and the river is going to turn to blood. The fish will die. And the river will stink. Right? The Egyptians will not be able to drink any water from the Nile. Then the Lord says to Moses, tell Aaron, take your staff and raise your hand over the water of Egypt. All its rivers and canals and ponds and all the reservoirs turn all the water to blood. Everywhere in Egypt, the water will turn to blood. Even the water stored in wooden bowls and stone pots. So Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. And Pharaoh and all his officials watched. Aaron raised his staff and struck the water of the Nile. Suddenly the whole river turned to blood. The the fish in the river died and the water became so foul the Egyptians couldn't even drink it. There was blood everywhere throughout the land of Egypt. But again, the magicians of Egypt used their magic and they too turned water into blood. So Pharaoh's heart remained hard. He refused to listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had predicted. Pharaoh returned to his palace, put the whole thing out of his mind. Then all the Egyptians dug along the riverbank to find drinking water, for they couldn't drink the water from the Nile. Seven days passed from the time the Lord struck the Nile. So you would think, here's your proof. The, r- the river turns into blood. It's a mess. The fish are dying. Here's the proof. This is why you should listen. This is why you should let us go. And and, and so, like, and again, it, the... The plagues that, that are going to go after the Egyptians right now are, are really a reflection of the gods that they worshipped. They worshipped the Nile River. 
And, it was, and the Nile River was massively important to their commerce and their trade and their economic status. And so this was, and they prayed all the time to the God of the Nile that the God of the Nile would, would continue, that the river would flow, that it would flood occasionally so that it would deposit good soil. You know, we totally get it. It's, this river is important to our livelihood and to our health. And so they prayed all the time to the God of the Nile. It's interesting that the God of the Nile and the Egyptians in that, in that time was the God of Happy, and uh, H-A-P-I. And I, I think it's a little ironic that, that they would worship the God of Happy. We like to worship the God of Happy, too. We want to be happy all the time. And, uh, and I think what God was pointing out to them was that, oh, man, uh, you're worshiping the wrong thing. Have you noticed that like in our culture today, uh, uh, we sell happiness to the American people. We're always trying to sell stuff that will make us happy. Every single commercial that that comes out, you know, right, shows people being happy. Uh, Every drink will bring happiness. Every food is going to bring happiness. Every car is going to bring happiness, right? So we worship that. It's fascinating to me that they, like, uh, never show overweight people in commercials, Never. They're hats. They're, you know, super ripped, uh, well-defined, gorgeous people having a great time. It just leads me to believe that, man, if I drink that, I'm going to look like that. That would be sweet. So a 12-pack of Miller Lite is going to make me look like that? That would be great. I'm totally in. And so what do we say? Stay thirsty, my friends. Okay. Even the most interesting man in the world looks gorgeous, right? Like, man. He's 85 and he's got 21-year-old girls. Like, I'm in. This is great. I want that kind of happiness, right? We totally worship that. And uh, we don't know that God oftentimes sends little reminders to us. Sometimes they're big two-by-four reminders, right? That kind of life, that kind of pursuit of happiness, eventually... It's going to stink like the Nile River full of blood and fish that can't survive. Demi Lovato, one of the young gals in, her, in the music scene, she's 25 years old, just had overdose. We just look at that and go, how in the world is that possible? You would think if anybody could be happy, it would be her. She's got more money and more stuff and more things and gorgeous and she can't be happy? How's a poor schmo like me supposed to be happy now? I have no idea. Because if I had what she had, I would be happy. There's reminders all the time. Once again, we're reminded, and the Egyptians were reminded, that the God of the Nile doesn't deliver. John chapter 10, verse 10 uh, Jesus says these words, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, right? Uh, the thief's purpose is to mess up my life, to, to stink up my life. And so if he can steal and kill and destroy in my life, right, that's his purpose. My purpose, Jesus says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And we look at that and go, that's weird, right? That, like Jesus... It seems to me like Jesus would offer a lot more restrictions on my happiness than, than the gods I want to worship. Isn't there a lot of thou shalt nots and a knock it off kind of stuff? 
See, Jesus doesn't prohibit food or drink or recreation or sex or entertainment. He doesn't say, mm. now he, he, in fact, he thought those things up for us. This is mind-blowing things. I'm going to give to every human being. This is going to give them a rich and satisfying and full life. But it's when I decide, hey, I think I know better than you on how to handle these things in my life. If you notice that what, when I decide to handle my, right? I don't need you to tell me how to do stuff. My life starts to stink. My life starts to stink. So Jesus offers that. Our hearts grow toward, hard towards God because we believe that we can find happiness and fulfillness, fulfillness somewhere else. So here we go, Exodus chapter 8. So uh, the Lord says to Moses, go back to Pharaoh and announce to him, this is what the Lord says, my people, let my people go so they can worship me. So it didn't work the first time. They had the river, right? And so it's back flowing again. So here's the next one. Uh, if you refuse to let them go, I'll send a plague of frogs across the entire land. The Nile River will swarm with frogs. They will come up out of the river, into your palace, into your bedroom, and onto your bed. Oh boy, right? I'm not a big fan of frogs. I'm, I'm kind of indifferent. I mean, they don't really bother me. They kind of freak me out a little bit. We got little toads around our place. Like, oh, okay. Uh, boy. You know, but can you imagine frogs? in everything all over the place croaking all the stinking time on your bed i don't even let my dog on my bed i'm not a big fan of like if you do that that's fine but seriously can you imagine like hey hoppy get up you know like right they're everywhere like gross gross like this is horrible they will enter your house and your officials and your people. They'll even jump into your ovens. What? And in your kneading bowls? Thank you. Frogs will jump on you, your people, and all your officials. Can't even imagine. The frog was a symbol, and they did worship a god that had a head of a frog. It was a fertility god. But frogs everywhere. There was no help. And so here in verse 8, says, The Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and begged, plead with the Lord, take the frogs away from me and my people. I will let your people go so they can offer sacrifices to the Lord. Okay? I changed my mind. So in verse 14 of chapter 8, says, The Egyptians piled them into great heaps and terrible stench filled the land. Once again with the stench. Right? You worship this God, you worship these gods, this is the result of that, this is what's going to take place in your life. Now, I should have, I don't know why I didn't include this, but verse 15, I'll just read this to you, of chapter 8. When Pharaoh saw that there was relief, so when Pharaoh saw that the frogs are gone, right, and they piled them up and they thrown them in the Nile, everything's taken care of, right? He hardened his heart and would not listen to Moses and Aaron just as the Lord had said. Key in here. When Pharaoh saw that there was relief. Now the translation was when there was when there was a little reprieve, right? So everything's back to normal. Everything's good. When my life was messed up, I turned to God and says, "Knock, you know, please, you know, uh, uh, please take the stinking frogs away." Right? And so Moses says, hey, when would you like the frogs away? I want them gone tomorrow. Okay. And they're gone, right? So, so everything's back to normal. 
So when everything goes back to normal, did you notice what happens? His heart gets hard again. See, God sends some of those things in our life that says, I'm trying to get your attention here. The things that you were worshiping, eventually it's just going to end up in a big stink. And so we pray to God, please, 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 right? And so there, there's things that happen. And again, these are little call, calls in our hearts where God says, I'm, try, right? I'm trying to get your attention and I'm going to send a little mercy your way. It might be some irritating frogs, but for a little while, you're gonna, and then you're going to turn to me. And, and again, when, when, when God takes the problem away, oftentimes we drift right back to the same spot. We hear the word cancer. The doctor says, you've got this. It's bad. And what do we do? We pray. And we get people, and we're back at church, and we're intense, and we're closer to God than ever before. And then we receive the good news. You're cancer-free. And then it's a little bit of drifting. I got this now. I got this. I'm fine. And we just drift a little. Our heart gets a little heart gets a little hardened. We're struggling in our marriage and everything's bad and messed up and we decide, I think we should go to church. Okay. We go to counseling and we begin to work hard on our marriage and we begin to love each other again. I got this now. I got it. I got it. I'm back in control. I'm back on the game. Everything's great. My finances get all screwed up and I, I'm, I messed things up. And really, um, in fact, we would even say this, it stinks, right? So we go to church and we get things back in order and we follow God's way and I'm going to obey him and I'm going to honor him with my money and I'm going to, right? And I, everything it gets back into a good place financially. We say this, I got this now. Thanks, God. I got it. I can take it from here. I got it. I got it, God. I'm good. And we get a little reprieve and hearts get a little hardened. So Moses comes back. And Exodus chapter 8, verse 16 says, The Lord says to Moses, Tell Aaron, raise your staff and strike the ground. The dust will turn to swarms of gnats throughout the land of Egypt. So Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. Aaron raised his hand and struck the ground with gnats, uh, infested the entire land, covering the Egyptians and their animals. All the dust in the land of Egypt turned to gnats. Pharaoh's magicians tried to do the same thing with their secret arts, but this time they failed. And the gnats covered everyone, people and animals alike. This is the finger of God. Somebody's finally recognizing, right? The magicians explained to Pharaoh, but Pharaoh's heart remained hard. He wouldn't listen to them just as the Lord predicted. Egypt is known for peace and comfort. It was a lifestyle of the rich and famous and everybody enjoyed, right? Good food, good music. What messes up a good time? A gnat. One stinking little gnat can ruin the whole thing, right? Like, but can you, like, again, you want to go, you, you're going out to jazz on the green. It's going to be a wonderful evening, nice food. It's just a great entertainment. And then there's a bunch of little gnats flying around. Right? Get at it, right? 
Can you imagine a whole bunch of gnats just ruining your life, just ruining your peace? You go out, you're going camping, and it's going to be a wonderful thing. You've got mountain views. This is going to be great. Gnats. Stinking gnats. Hate gnats. So what do we do? We get out the DDT. We're killing off the gnats. Why? Because we, they're, they, they're just irritable. Anybody, anybody got a little gnats in their life? They're called children. Yes. Little things that irritate our peace and quiet and harmony. You can't even go to the bathroom, right, without those little gnats. What are you doing in there? Shut up, right? Just give me five minutes. There's all kinds of things that irritate us, right? Mess us up. We worship in our culture today, we worship peace. We want peace. And we're searching that for our lives. And so we try religion, we'll try yoga, we'll try, you know, vacations, just to give us a little reprieve from the gnats of life. And here's what Jesus says. John chapter 16, verse 33. I have told you all this so that in me you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Crazy verse. Put that on the refrigerator. Philippians 4, 7. Here's another one on the refrigerator. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Isaiah 26, 3. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Because you see, no amount of money and no amount of leisure can bring you the peace that you're looking for. I think this is the secret sauce. I think this is I think this is it right here, the peace that God offers us. In fact, you might even have noticed that from your friends who are followers of Jesus and you look at their life and you go, "Wow, I don't even understand how you could how how, how do you have peace? The things you're dealing with right now would have devastated my life, my family, my marriage, everything. How do you have, and 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 we can't Really, truly, we can't even explain it. We can't explain it. It's a peace that's beyond our understanding. That's what he's offering us. I hope that maybe you someday can relate to this wonderful song. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, It is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. For it is well with my soul. It is well. I want you to sing that. You don't have to sing it out loud. I want you to hear it. Because I know you want that. Everybody does. Stop worshiping the wrong things. Who is God to tell me what to do? 
Father God, we thank you for this moment in time. Maybe for the first time in a long time, we we found our way here. Our life is anything but at peace. No, we've said this before. We need you. And so perhaps today you've gotten our attention. And we've come to you. A God whose arms are open wide. Christ we pray.